0: You're listening to an Anna's Ministries podcast. Should there be a separation of church and state? I mean, Jedi and the Republic, where do the weapons of the empire and the rebels come from and how hard is it to rebuild after you've taken down the man? We're going to be discussing all of that and more in this segment of our primarily political series, um, You know, we're going to be talking about the politics in our favorite fandoms from a Christian perspective. It's a very niche series, if I do say so myself. And Star Wars, of all things, has a ton of politics. So pray for us. Pray for us. This is Systematic Ecology. We are the priests to the geeks. And uh, that... (laughs) But when we say that, we just mean that we are trying to be the mediators between our faith and fandoms that we all love and enjoy. There's two communities. We all have one foot in each. We're going to be trying to cross some bridges. And while we're doing it, we're talking about politics. You might wonder why. Why is a Christian show doing politics? So we're going to do a little bit of apologetic work here just for a second. Um, We're doing this series, Primary Political, because a lot of times, especially here in the U.S., where we're all from, Politics are very polarizing, and in 2024, we're going to have another national election, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of polarizing things in the meantime. So we want to show how can we disagree well, and at the same time, we also want to do something a little bit more lighthearted. So rather than talking about U.S. politics or who we're going to vote for, we're going to talk about themes, political themes in our favorite fandoms. Last time was My Little Pony. This time is Star Wars. Uh, If you want to hear the whole series, we do have a link in the show notes. You can check that out and uh i of course highly recommend it so go ahead do that today well everyday i'm joshua noel but today i'm joined by the one the only the host of your favorite uh baptist led bible themed podcast christian ashley host of let nothing move you i was listening to it earlier so i'm just kind of geeking out on that lately and i had to had a you know pump you up a little bit and i'm also here with one of our two newest hosts the one and only the uh the actually the only villain i think when we're t- looking at the avatars, i think he's the only bad guy avatar on our logo is adam bear whose avatar is um was it was it snipely snipes how I, I, that is not w- right wi- wi- why
1: widely whip snidely whiplash
0: snidely okay there he is i knew there was something like a word like that there but i wasn't fully sure what it was so like i said huge topic today so we're going to jump straight into it um Guys, we're going to go all through Star Wars. And as always, when we're talking about the movies, you have to figure out in the show's everything. What order do you talk about Star Wars? in? do you start at the very beginning with the Dawn of the Jedi and the Jedi? Today, I don't think we're going to talk about that at all. But do you start with the prequels? Do you start with the original series, the sequels? Do you skip the prequels, as I tend to do? Who knows? (laughs) Today, we're going to go through, we're going to start with the original trilogy. We're going to go back to the old Republic. Then we're going to jump to the prequels. Then we're going to dump to the sequels. And actually, before the sequels, we're going to do some of that in between stuff when they're rebuilding after the Empire, looking at Ahsoka, Mandalorian, that kind of stuff. And lastly, we'll talk about the sequels. That'll probably take the least amount of our time because I feel like it had less politics in it than the other series which is something I hadn't noticed until I uh, tried to prepare for this. There was a few things I hadn't noticed. There was that. And there's the, the surprising little amount I knew about the trade federation in the prequels. I actually had a message. Um, our friend Brandon was like, dude, do you know anything about <laughs> the trade federation at all? It was a, it was a struggle, but we are going to start with the original trilogy, the empire and the rebels. Um, you see it you see it in Rogue One, you see it in the actual trilogy itself. The Empire and the Rebels both have a degree of politics. How is it ran? The Empire is very kind of like federal kind of mindset of all of the planets, all of the countries, whatever needs to be under one rule and are going to, you know, help each other, which always leads to dictatorship, especially when you're talking about movies made in the 70s and 80s. And then that's versus the Rebels who also had to kind of come together and discuss one another when we're looking at um, we're looking at some of these scenes, especially when we're looking at like, I, I loved Rogue One. When you're looking at Rogue One and you see this whole thing of these people coming together and there were leaders, there were people from the prequels who showed up, who kind of organized, how are we going to go against the Empire? And that kind of organization and formation is what politics are. So I thought it was really interesting to see that played out, not only in Rogue One, but especially when we're talking about our favorite original series. It's just good guys versus bad guys. And if you notice, our main people that we follow, the one exception being Princess Leia, the main people we follow are kind of not really part of any system, right? Han Solo, Luke, Chewbacca. They weren't really part of the organized rebellion. They were people from outside the system coming in. And I think that's pretty on par for what people in the 70s and 80s were looking for, that kind of fight the man mentality. Um, I have talked a lot. So I'm going to throw it over to Christian. Christian, or uh, sorry, I'm going to throw it to Adam this time, actually. Could you break down who is the Empire? Who are the rebels? And for anyone who hasn't seen Star Wars before, like, what exactly are we talking about? What's going on in this original trilogy?
1: Well, you know, uh, for people that aren't familiar with the original trilogy, it's based around two warring factions, the Empire and the rebels. And um, the Empire is basically uh, the later stages of the Roman Empire when Caesar has taken over using political powers, using the threat uh, of, uh, of war to kind of, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought for a second, to kind of centralize power around him and um has now become a dictator and is now oppressing the people um and so the rebel alliance then comes in in the attempts to overthrow and it's just basically it's it's uh it starts off as a a ragtag small group of um uh uh small group of uh factions kind of unifying under one flag to try to overthrow a, a dictatorship and a power and um you know fight back any way they can uh what was the other part of the question uh how where are we where are we the state of mind me again what was the other part of the question you i can't hear
0: you you're just breaking down who the empire and rebels are right now
1: yes okay i just broke it did i broke it down i broke it down there we go <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so when we're looking at that um yeah we, we mentioned a lot of this stuff, but. That attitude of fight the man of maybe we need people outside the system to kind of come in and save the day from all of the broken systems of the empire, from the rebels who clearly aren't getting the job done. How how do we feel about this kind of mentality of just we want people outside the system to be the people leading the system? Um, Christian, you go ahead and start this one off.
2: Well, it's a very idealized form of wanting someone who doesn't desire power to be in charge because – Ideally, the person who doesn't want to be in charge is someone who would rule a little fairly versus someone who seeks after that power versus someone who wants to be in the spotlight. Now, that's not always 100%. There are plenty of people out there who are ambitious and desire to have power, desire to to lead others and get get the work done. But as time goes on, as you grow up, you kind of learn, hmm. Not everyone who says that why they came in here was for the benefit of others is really doing that. So it really appeals, well, if these guys who say they're going to help me are not doing it, well, what if I pick someone who doesn't want to be there? Yeah, I I think that's pretty
0: on par. And I feel like anytime you're not satisfied with the system, and sometimes there's genuine causes to do this, but I think anytime you're not satisfied with the system, people tend to try to find a way to blame the system instead of themselves. You know, And, And sometimes i think it might even be 50 50 a lot of the times yeah the system fails you right it's a messed up the system is why you're in this situation a lot of the times it's on us and we still want to blame the system you know it's i work 10 hours a week and why is food so expensive maybe work more and you can afford the food dude (laughs) you know like sometimes it's one sometimes it's the other But I feel like no matter what's causing it, if you don't like the situation you're in, you're most likely going to blame the system. And I think that leads to this mentality of wanting heroes that are then coming from outside the system. Um, Adam, what do you think about all this?
1: I keep thinking back to this. I I don't know what talking about Star Wars, but I keep thinking about thinking about this really great um, episode of – doctor who and the in the episode you have the zygons and the humans fighting over the space and it's this whole conversation between um he's he's he has this two boxes in front of them and it's a a small scale um small scale model of war but the long story short is he's confronting the zygons what are you going to do after you win what are you going to do Once you've gained all the power and you've changed the system, how are you going to prevent the next rebellion? How are you going to prevent the next people from coming up? And, um, you know, when we talk about the dangers of thinking about the system as the problem, that's one of the dangers we have to worry about is this constant cycle. And we're seeing it a lot so much in our culture today. You know, our culture is constantly trying to find some cause to fight against, some, some battle to win, some... Good versus evil. And I think there's some really interesting parallels there.
0: Yeah, And we'll we'll look at some of this later, too. But what I find fun about all of this is usually the people who are cheering for those outside of the system, their end goal still is to just have a new system. And what you'll end up seeing in Star Wars is a lot of times the new system has the same problems. And. I think that's true in the real world as well, right? Like a lot of times it's, we don't want welfare, we don't want this, but what do we want? Well, I want people like me to be getting taken care of, which ends up looking like welfare and this. You know, it's like um, one of the polls I find really interesting is how many people were against um, not the federal welfare plan, but for Obamacare. And then they find out that it's the same thing. <laughs> and it's just so interesting to see those kind of studies of like, yeah, you're not actually against it, you're against the other side. <laughs> because you don't like what's happening and you don't I don't know I, I don't know I, I think it's important that we think out our policies and think about why did the things previously not work and that's one of those things that of course the original trilogy was made before the prequels but that's one of the things that I thought was interesting in the original series now when you watch it is man so much of what's going on is the same stuff that the uh that the republic did and it's like you know um these problems seem similar they're kind of a rhyming and no one's learning from their past, which is uh, interesting. And that's where some of your like extra canonical stuff, some of your legend stuff, even some of our video games and comics, I think come in handy because a lot of that gets way before the prequels. We get a little bit more history and we see exactly how far back does this cycle go and where did it start? Unfortunately, I don't know a ton about that stuff. So I'm going to throw it to our main man, Christian. Tell us some about the
2: Old Republic. So when we talk Old Republic, we're talking about a very long amount of time. Like uh, in old canon, it was 25,000 years where there's been a, a form of a republic. There's been a form of a Jedi Order. And there's been shakeups every now and then. The Sith would rise up again. Or there'd be a rebellion within. Or a religious crusade would rise up, like with the pious day. And that's a lot to cover. So just for the sake of simplicity. Uh Old Republic that I started getting into would be in the Knights of the Old Republic video games and the comics, where once again, the Sith have risen up, the Republic is fighting against them. Before this, they had a war fighting off the Mandalorians, and now everyone's wondering, okay, who do we side with here? Is it Sith are going to bring order to a Republic that has none because it's just so widespread that it's next to impossible to, you know, govern everything well, to know what the the left hand is doing with the right hands over here. It's very much, in a sense, one of the reasons why, if you look at our history for the Roman Empire, why they split up between the Western and the Eastern Roman Empire to have two separate emperors essentially ruling the same thing. But then you had someone who could specify, uh, specialize here and had someone who could specialize here. And that had came up with its checks and balances and its failings as well. But over time, the Republic, as time went on, kept getting more greedy, kept getting more distant from the people it was supposed to represent. And even, I'm not that familiar with the High Republic era. I've tried to get into it a couple of times, but it just doesn't jive with me. But it's really like uh, the Jedi are kind of at the height of their power there. But we also start seeing some of the the cracks forming of them being more, not slaves to the Republic's policy, but more... What's to what I'm looking for here? Not standoffish, more complacent. And along the lines, that's one of the things that Sidious is able to take advantage of to where we get to the prequel trilogy and him to take control eventually.
0: Thinking of like the Old Republic stuff and just all of that. Well, one of the things I find interesting, too, is I haven't read too much of the stuff, as I mentioned. Um, one of the things I did like and we actually talked about it on the show where we I mean, you and DJ, um, the Darth Bane stuff. A lot of the times... The stories that I've heard from the older times at Star Wars revolve more around the villains than the good guys. Um, You know, for whatever reason, uh, I know Revan had a lot of doing like the good guys kind of messed up some stuff with the Mandalorians. There's a whole ordeal there. Um, And you guys talked about that as well. But with Bane, what I thought was interesting is he realized what was messing up the Sith was basically that they were evil. And then he came up with a, a polity. A form of politics that he thought would solve the issue by there only ever being two Sith. (laughs) So I thought it was interesting that even he's like, yeah, we're evil. And because we're evil, we need politics so that we can continue being evil and it'll work.
2: (laughs) And because it was that inevitable, well, someone's going to want to be in charge. And the Brotherhood of Darkness, which is the one that we're fighting the New Sith Wars for like a thousand years before this, their whole idea was, oh, they recognize the fact that we keep killing the people who are competent. So let's just all say we're equals amongst each other, even though this guy is going to be higher than. And Bane's like, that doesn't work either. So let me create a system where I have me who has the power, wields it, and then have an apprentice who craves it. And that is eventually, it takes a thousand years, but it takes down the entire republic, which is an entire galaxy's worth of a a form of government. Hmm. Yeah. Also, you
0: you mentioned how the republic worked you were kind of explaining them all having representation all that kind of stuff i just want to remind everybody just for kicks and giggles um yeah america isn't a democracy it's a democratic republic just a fun fact it's just one of those things that even overseas in in states everywhere people just have this misconception of well how come the person with the most votes didn't win it's because we're not a democracy that's why moving on Um, christian the The question I have for you, you you mentioned the Jedi were at the peak of their power. Were the Jedi and the Republic always
2: tied to one another? It's one of those things Like over time, it just kind of became a mutually beneficial agreement that uh, in the old canon, I don't know how they handled it in the new canon. After the New Sith War, like the Republic has won, thanks to the Jedi's help, after Lord Khan is killed in the Thought Bomb, the Jedi start taking more of a peacekeeping role, even though they did it before. But the republic kind of demilitarized after a while because oh well if we just have this uh, object of oh we're the ones with the power we can send our gunships and our ships to you know, attack your planet whenever we want then we just look like the bad guys versus oh we send a Jedi instead to parley on our behalf well now we're looking pretty good like we we were being very reasonable here and if you you can't listen to a Jedi then you're in the wrong. And we blatantly see that like in the opening of Phantom Menace. Yeah. Well, and especially
0: when you consider the fact that originally the Jedi, later known as the Jedi, were supposed to be the the balance keepers. They weren't supposed to be all the good side or all the bad side. They were supposed to be those keeping the balance of the force. And then you see them slowly, slowly because... Of how people were abusing the dark side different stuff becoming more just we're going to eliminate threats we're going to eliminate bad then of course they're going to want to protect people so they kind of end up more and more justifying this kind of team up with the republic until we get to the prequel trilogy and when we're there the uh (laughs) there's going to be spoilers if you haven't seen it it's on you (laughs) the emperor is kind of behind the scenes And he's pulling everyone's strings. And the way he's doing it is directly through the politics of that time. So what we end up seeing pretty early on is him. He has a Sith apprentice, but he is communicating with what's called the Trade Federation. And when doing this, he basically he's kind of explaining to them, oh, yeah, you can get more money and we'll give you protection. And he's playing on their desires and using that. And then also, you find out later on that he's playing the Republic to feel threatened by what they're doing so that everyone feels threatened. Polarization runs amok. And he's able to basically provide protection on both sides until polarization splits so far that it enables someone to step in as the single dictator. Adam, I'm going to throw it back to you. Could you explain? Who the Trade Federation is? What's going on in the prequels? When we're talking about the Senate, the Jedi, the Trade Federation, Sith, all, all that.
1: Oh, that's a lot. That was a uh, um. Well, the shorthand when we open up to um, episode one, you know, we have the Trade Federation, which their main goal wasn't really is you know to monopolize and to organize the trading uh, amongst the systems. They weren't really military. They weren't a really military power, but they had their robots and things for protection. And, um, um, you know, they were, they were ultimately just a tool for, uh, Sidious, uh, but that, but the, the events of, of or the events of episode one lead into the separatist units, you know, these different organizations that are really unhappy with the Republic that then unite to try to, uh, uh, fight the Republic. And there's a really great series of episodes in the Clone Wars TV show where Ahsoka is, hanging out with some separatists and you can kind of see the other side of things. And it's a really interesting conversation, but the shorthand version of it all is you have the Republic, which is the major fort of ultimate power. And then you have Sidious just undermining it, creating, um, creating uh, discord among, uh, smaller governing bodies. And those smaller governing bodies then unite under the flag of the separatists to try to combat the, uh, combat the um the republic and it's so and i i give lucas so much credit because of the mirroring everything the separatists almost mirror the the separatists and republic war so much mirrors the the rebellion and the empire war you know what i mean and the things that they stand for and it's all really fascinating stuff
0: yeah i um i give lucas a lot of credit for the prequels as well that's when i started disliking lucas a little bit um sorry i am uh I understand why people love the prequels. Uh, I do appreciate some of what's come out of it, but they're just not my favorite movies. <laughs> um, but I do find this thing fascinating about the Senate and all this. You talked about the the separatist and how they were displeased with what's going on in the Senate. Um, first off, was that about Jar Jar?
1: <laughs> I mean, everything negative <laughs> usually involves Jar Jar at some point. Like it's so synonymous. I mean, I don't know what that man was thinking. I know it was probably marketing, but it's just like like and I think that's the biggest issue with the sequel trilogies is he had a lot more creative control. We forget how much credit goes to other people in the original trilogy. You know, his, his wife had a huge input. All these people had so much more input in the story. And in this, uh, the, the prequel trilogy, he was fly, flying a little bit more solo and that's where you get things. But to his credit, he saw how much people didn't like Jojo. And so he kind of shoved him and made everything his fault, which is kind of funny if you think about it. Um, but yes, it's all, it's all (laughs) Jojo's
0: fault. Yeah. I, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm known as Josh with wrong opinions. My wife usually also makes fun of me about that. But this is one wrong opinion. Our whole household holds. We love Jar Jar here. <laughs> My wife has a tattoo of, of Jar Jar and keeps talking about getting a matching one of Jar Jar. <laughs> They're like, do it. He's the best. <laughs> um, and I know he's the worst, but I love him. I love him. Um, Adam, what is the actual thing that's going on off the Separatists? Because you mentioned them, but I don't quite know if everybody knows who they are.
1: Well, the separatists, like I said, was an organization made up of all these different smaller systems that were uh, unhappy with the Republic, and Dooku kind of came out of the woodworks, and it's like, hey, if you're unhappy with the Republic, we're creating this new organization, this new Senate, this new, this this almost a new Republic to counteract against the Republic, and we're doing it with uh, you know an army of robots that worked with the trade veneration, the banking guild. Uh, a couple i can't remember all the names of everyone they worked with but they organized with these big corporations almost to align themselves with these smaller systems in order to take back um territory away from the republic because they weren't happy with the process because as we learned from the prequel trilogies you know the the republic was functional but there was a lot of there was a lot of systems and things not getting the not getting their needs met. You know, of course, there was corrupt yeah. uh, corruption in the Senate, and you know the irony. the The question is, was the corruption there because of Sidious? Or did Sidious feed off the corruption? And um, it's very good stuff. But what's so amazing about the Separatists is they were actually being. You know, they were led by Dooku, who was Sidious's apprentice, who we find out realizes actually Emperor Palpatine. So it was literally two sides being played against the middle to generate power. And that's what that's why I mean, you say what you want about the sequel trilogies at the end of Attack of the Clones. When you see the clone troopers marching onto the ships and you got the Empire theme going and there's Palpatine just staring over and you're like, he has literally started a war between he literally he literally created a problem so that he could fix it so that he could take power. I mean, it was brilliant. It's brilliant writing. It's brilliant storytelling. It was so good. So good.
2: Yeah. I, the way he won. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I um, I think that particular part of the emperor was good. I, I still have to maintain that most of the story writing for the prequels were pretty bad, um, but that's just me. Just my opinion. Um, wh- One thing that that there's a lot of things that, that stand out that interest me, but I'm going to pivot a little bit into some Bible for a second here. Um. And this is fun because i think both of you are probably on the same side as far as like inerrancy the bible is literal kind of stuff i'm a little bit more like inerrant light is probably what i would call myself <laughs> um i i find it interesting when you hear where there's part of the bible where the israelites are asking for a king it's like well do you know some are going to be evil some are going to be good and it's like okay but we want one anyway so god gives them a bad king then a good king and you know the whole cycle goes on but if you look before that point in the bible There are all these judges and judges are described as having ruled over people. And some of them were good and some of them were terrible. So it's kind of like, well, what's the what's the difference of the judges and the kings? One of the differences for me that I find really interesting, if you pay attention, most of the judges, maybe all, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to say most weren't over all of Israel. God would appoint a Mm -hmm. judge to come save a few of the tribes. So in a way, they were like a, a theocratic republic. If you're looking through the book of Judges. Um, Now, I'm curious on y'all's take on that. And also, I'll I'll throw it to Christian first so he can he can say, how are the judges different than the kings? Because if you're going to see the Bible as literal and all that, I feel like you still need to explain that a little bit of why God was like, no, you don't want that when there were good and bad judges that God sent before the king.
2: Yeah, sure. I'll take it because the judges, they weren't supposed to rule all of Israel. You brought that out as a point. Their goal was to defend an Israel that had lost its way and to show them guidance because the people who were supposed to be technically in charge were the priests, were the Levites. Their job was to gather all of Israel together in their own tribes that they were at and have them worship the Lord. They were supposed to have them make the sacrifices. They were supposed to have them uh, do the festival days and look out for one another and teach them the law. But more often than not, what happened is they didn't do their job. And the people slipped away because there was no structure there anymore. It's like, oh, well, if the priests stopped caring, well, why should I care? I care either? So then God would raise up a judge after he allows, you know, the Arameans or the, the Edomites or the Philistines or the Midianites, what have you, to attack Israel. And then a judge would come, fight for a bit, and then give some, some judging and every bit of that, but not take full control because God was ultimately supposed to be the one in control And he was supposed to be represented by his priests who failed at their job. This question was so I could
0: set up a different question, by the way. But (laughs) Adam, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Like, what are the differences between the judges and the kings or anything? Or do you think Christian hit it pretty much on on the nose?
1: I think he hit it pretty much on the nose. I think the other thing that I think is always important when we're talking about the Old Testament and the judges is um, we forget that. So much of the Old Testament law and the judges, it was all about setting the Jewish people apart from the rest of the world. That was God, you know, when we're reading through these things, you can see that that God was trying to distinguish his people from the rest of the world. You know, and uh, we've incorporated a lot of these philosophies into our system, like the philosophies of how we treat our spouses and things which are dictated in the Old Testament. You know, some of that was kind of new for people to to hear about. You know, the way we treat people, some of that, some of those concepts of the Old Testament law were very new and very odd to the Jewish people at the time because they were, you know, God was trying to separate them. And um, but I think the overall overarching themes that uh, Christian hit on was was spot on.
0: Okay, so that was he he kind of partially answered what I was trying to set up for the question. It was more of a a question of. So when, when most of Israel, let's say, you know, when they were being wicked, they were being evil. This is one of my what if questions. What if, you know, one of the tribes like the Benjamites were like, you know what? Let's be separatists. Let's separate from the rest of Israel because they're being evil. Would God have blessed them for trying to remain holy and separating from the evil that Israel is doing? Or would they have been punished because they are supposed to be one with God's people? That would kind of be my thought process. Just kind of wondering what your take on that is.
2: So correct me if I'm wrong, this scenario, Benjamites, everyone else is in evil. They are not. Yeah, yeah. And they're choosing to separate themselves from their other tribe. Okay. Well, they would be counted as righteous because they're following the law. They're following God. But they would be punished if they didn't seek after their brethren and say, guys, you're losing your way. Like, you can't be doing this. And in fact, we kind of see the exact opposite in Judges of the benjamites really losing their way the israelites losing their way thinking they're being righteous and a civil war happens and a ton of good people well not really good people a ton of people who shouldn't have had to die die
0: yeah yeah and i'm i'm probably pretty much of the same mind even though part of the law also was to not separate that you know that's what they were supposed to do which is why i just thought it was an interesting conundrum because there are in the In this made up situation, they would be in a place where they're either breaking one part of the law or another part. And it's kind of what's more important, which is why I think Adam's answer earlier really spoke to that of, no, the law existed so that they would be separate from evil, that they would stand out as God's people. So I think in that scenario, yeah, they're separating from evil. That's what the law was there for in the first place. Um, But I, I think you're right. We saw pretty much the opposite in Judges, which I'm going to move on. But you see them separating because I'm just to sound pretty progressive here, probably, because God's law and stuff was a little bit too hard, more or less. You know, it was they have to worship their God. They have to follow a certain way. The people around them were getting to, you know, tr- getting drunk and playing with prostitutes for their gods, all this other stuff. And their law was a little bit more constraining. And what you saw instead of, you know, them separating from the evil Israel and becoming good, the Benjamites, a lot of the other tribes were actually separating to go towards these other people who looked like their laws were a little bit easier. They didn't have to give a tenth of their wealth to support priests and poor people. Right. They got to hold on to all their wealth. It was easier to become rich in some of these other nations. And they like that was really tempting. So they separated to become part of that because politically it didn't make sense for them to remain part of the nation. And they are kind of putting their politics over the law of God in that, those scenarios. And that's when they became separatist, which is pretty close to a lot of what we're talking about in the Star Wars world. Even if it wasn't, you know, the righteous republic or anything like that, it was people trying to become separated from the republic to get wealthy off of the trade federation. A lot of times, um, I think is that right? You guys probably know the prequels better than I, because I uh, avoid a lot of it. Well,
1: what's interesting about this concept of the republic is, is in all minds we think, you know, there was we forget that there that the actual centers of power in that universe was all evil. I mean, even the founders of the trade federation, we realize, you know, even the founders of the separatists, you know, was an evil group of people and they were all taking advantage of, you know, the, the poor and the downtrodden, the separate, and they were both more obsessed with their own power and their own political thing. So it's hard to really say that either side in, in the movies um, was good or bad. I think For a story-wise, Lucas focused on the Republic being a little bit – seeming a little bit more good than the Separatists. But when when they dived into the series, the Clone Wars series, you really kind of be like, no, it's it's two powers taking advantage of the weak for their own uh, power and things.
0: Yeah, and that's part of what I really liked about the Clone Wars series too was they really highlight
2: that. Sorry, Christian. No, you're good. I mean, if you want to stay biblical, like this is kind of like a David versus Absalom situation here. Oh yeah, Not that David is wholly the Republic, Absalom is totally the separatist, but like to get that sense of, well, oh, you are he's not getting everything you need, Absalom would say, well, if I were king, if I were in charge, like I would give you everything you need. I would look after you. And of course, people, he's saying what they want to hear. So that's what the separatists did. Like they were being downtrodden. They did not have the money. They did not have uh, the protection that they wanted. Or the representation that they wanted didn't mean as much as someone from, say, like a core world like Corellia or something like that. And it's just bad people taking advantage of something that if better people were in charge, something could be done that didn't have to result in a war. Hmm. I'm going to get real controversial before we move on here.
0: (laughs) And I'm going to have to put an asterisk here and, and tell everybody. I do think the Confederate was a worse evil. Way, 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 way worse. Very glad that the Confederacy lost the Civil War. But if you're looking at the American Civil War, both sides were still bad guys. I mean, you either had one side that was trying to, if we're being realistic, trying to say, hey, we want to keep slaves because slaves good for money. And the other side saying, we don't care how much you'll suffer. We want to rip you of your slaves and then offer nothing to help you survive afterwards. Both of those sides are evil. One is clearly more evil But you can't act like one was the good guys. (laughs) Like, that's just not what was happening. And I think that's where. That's one. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. And that's where you see all wars. I think that's the case. That's where I think the Zygon thing earlier was really helpful. Regardless of where you see war fiction or not, there's usually not a good guy. There's usually a less bad guy. That's one of the important things.
2: Like, in school, like, you're good at them. It's, we start off soft. And like, hey, you know, American Revolution, we're we're the good guys. We rebelled because we wanted representation. You know, the taxation was bad. And yes, those are all objectively true. But it's not like we were some paragon of truth and justice and the American way. Like, that's never been a thing because Superman doesn't exist. And, you know, like, as time goes on, we should also teach our students, okay, we started here. Like, we rebelled 1775, you know, ratified. And uh, 1776, everything we needed there for Declaration of Independence. Let's also talk about the fact that we invaded Canada. Let's also talk about the fact that, you know, we were split because of slavery. And that, that that nuance doesn't come in. We just say good guy, good guy, good day, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy versus actually introducing like, hey, over time, these are people and people are screwed up even when they're doing good things. Adam, you, you were going to say something?
1: Um, yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to add into the point, you know, the 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 common misconception is that anything we do is good. Uh, the reality is, and the Bible is clear about it, God is the definer of what is good. God is the definer of what is just and what is right. And we all fall short, short of that glory. And, you know, as much as, you know, I am very proud to be American. I'm so grateful to be in this country and have been born and raised here. Um, but it's still not God's nation. It's still not God's country. It might Amen. be inspired Hallelujah. by God. It may be pointed towards God. And we pray every day that our nation is a nation that goes towards God and not away from God. But we are not citizens of this nation. We are citizens of God's kingdom. And so we always look at this lens, like maybe there's times in our history where we might have been more right than other times. Um, but, uh, we will always be evil in comparison to God's glory, and that's really important to take that to make that to remember that.
0: Yeah, and I might I occasionally raise questions of how much we were inspired by God or any of that stuff, but uh, all in all, yeah, I, I agree. We're not God's nation. We are not citizens of this nation. I mean, I am, but I am primarily a citizen of the City of God. Or so. By uh, you should definitely read Augustine's City of God. I think it's super important, even though it's one of the longest works. Out there, it's important. There's abridged versions on Audible. If that's all you can do, do it. Um, Christian, you unmuted. Were you gonna oh, waste your time?
2: <laughs> no, no, I was just gonna agree
0: with you. Read City of God, yeah, yeah. So, that being said, um, I'm gonna go ahead and move forward in the prequels. And yes, most of our times are in the prequels, it's the most political of all of the Star Wars, I think. Um, I want and just a couple of quick questions. First, I want to point out what before this question, one thing I think is really interesting. The Federation, the Trade Federation had a seat in the Senate. They were the bad guys. They were, you know, separatists. were leaving the Senate to be, you know, part of this kind of thing, all this stuff. And yet the Trade Federation had a seat in the Senate. The Jedi, who were incredibly closely tied to the Republic, never had a seat at the Senate. So why is it? Those of you who know
2: better. Why did the Trade Federation have a seat, but the Jedi did not have a seat at the Senate? Well, it points to part of the corruption of the republic itself is that they allowed an autonomous company, essentially uh, interstellar company, to come in and have representation versus a world, which is what they're supposed to be representing, is the needs of those people, not the needs of corporation that would vote for things, obviously, for their benefit versus everyone else. And then you have the Jedi, the reason they weren't involved with a representative in the Senate. Is because I mean they're not supposed to. They're supposed to kind of stay not out of politics, but not, they're not to be the ones making decisions because as you see in some of the other the extra canonical things and legends, people get uppity when a bunch of sorcerers like make decisions for everyone else. And they they can rightfully accuse some of them of, oh, you probably just mind tricked him into getting your policy passed. Or, you know, you could have threatened their family. Like we'll send a group of Jedi agents there and we can get what we want done. Like the Republic's doing the exact same thing sometimes, but the Jedi are supposed to be set apart enough where they're involved, but they're not the ones making the decisions. (laughs) They're just supposed to be seeking peace and justice in the Republic. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So that, uh, it's confusing because it, it do you think it's more of a superficial divide that they created where they're like we want to pretend like we're really not that involved with the republic, so we're not going to have a seat that way it's clear that we're not really part of the government when in reality the amount of time they were spending with the senators and the government and you know discussing telling people how to vote more or less they, they were just as much a part of it as I think as they would be
2: if they were on the senate what I mean yeah yeah it's that that the they're trying to create a divide, knowing that they're they've chosen a side. Yeah, yeah. Adam, have anything to add? Well,
1: what we find, where we find, the Jedi's at at this point in the the Star Wars universe, and I, I I love it because you see such a difference between the Star Wars of the um you it, you see such a difference between the old Republic Jedi's and the 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 film series Jedis, they really are more of an extension of the government than they are a religious organization. And that's part of, that's part of the, the divide in things, you know, in the original old Republic, when they were fighting the Mandalorian war, the Jedis would have never thought of interfering in the war. That's what was so, that was so, what was so criminal about Reverend's Rebellion yeah the fact that he convinced a bunch of jedis to go to war was just so not what they were about but yet in the in the uh films you see you see a very a very real um lack of hesitation you know because by that point in the star wars canyon canon they're closer to the fbi than they are christians you know Mm you know that's a that's a really poor uh, comparison but that you know that that's illustrating my point.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's really jarring if you watch the Clone Wars cartoon, you get to, there's a whole Sega where they're on the planet Mandalore and you see how involved they are. And if you have the story of Revan in the back of your mind, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it's like, "Um, huh? <laughs> so I, I thought it was interesting. And I, I think a lot of those decisions, they kept getting closer and closer to the Republic, closer and closer to tying themselves to the government, the more they felt the Sith were attached to the Federation. The more they felt like the Sith was attached to the Separatists. I feel like they justified getting closer to one political party because this other religious group that they didn't like was getting closer to another political party. And I think that polarization, ultimately, polarization and fear is what led to, it's what led to the Emperor being able to completely take over and you have the Iconic line here. I'm going to throw it up. This is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. Christian, unpack for us. How did we get to this line?
2: How did we get to where this happens? Yeah, I mean, it's Palpatine, plain and simple. The man is a born manipulator and he had the Jedi. He had the Republic. He had his constituents on Naboo. He had the Sith. Well, guess what? Because he is a Sith, all played against each other while he's got multiple apprentices here, just in case this one screws up, or just in case I find a better one here, or I'm also grooming Anakin here. Also he can be the one in charge. Well, either way he would have won if the Separatists had taken over Coruscant and then won the war at the start of you know episode three. Well, guess what? Oh, Darth Sidious, this whole time, Dooku would have bowed uh, bowed down before him and said, this is your true leader. I've just been his representative. But it doesn't turn out that way. It turns out to where the Republic wins, only to lose itself thinking they're helping themselves because, oh, no, if the Jedi, these people we're supposed to trust and uh, watch out for us can rebel against our government, well, they could have killed me. But then Palpatine, now our new emperor, saved us all. So – I have to look to him for for guidance here. He's the one who saved us from that threat. Yeah, and that's where we're not going to get too much into it, but a lot of the stuff in like um,
0: Andor and some of those series that happened in between prequels and the uh, original series get really interesting because you see exactly the repercussions of putting all their faith in the leader that saved them. It's not great. It's not great. Even before the original trilogy, when it's full on Emperor, it's still not good. And it's just uh, it's fascinating. When you turn to government to save you, I think that's what happens. And when you let fear and polarization consume you, that's what happens. And, you know, it's, it's what we talked about earlier. When you're so afraid of the current establishment, you blame everything on the current system, whether you're separatist, whether you're a and you just had to, you know, I get to do my totalitarian rant. They justified having an emperor because it was going to beat the bad guys. And they were like, oh, it's worth it because we know the end result. Well, guess what? They didn't know the end result. It's why utilitarianism is stupid. You don't know what's going to happen unless you are God. You do not know what's going to happen. So it's like, yeah, just do the right thing. But that's not what they did, right? They, they let fear, they let polarization consume them. So I, I guess the question then becomes, hey, cause the polarization, I think, was just going to happen. As long as there's fear, that's going to happen. How much of it is to blame? on the jedis pairing themselves so closely with the republic should they have just only went after the sith ignored the polit- the political aspect of it all and just kept to their own belief or, or were they right in going after you know becoming part of the government and this was just inevitable
2: well they'd be fools not to be involved at all because like if you're going to represent someone's interest you got to be aware of what they're doing and what they want to happen so if you, just, you totally isolate yourself from that and just show up every now and then just to do what they tell you to do. Well, I mean, are you really doing your job? You're not vetting anyone. You're just kind of there. But then that becomes, well, how close is too close? It's that sense of how can I be part of this world but not of this world at the same time? Like how do I represent Christ well, love other people, and yet not give in to evil? Not say, oh, it's okay what you're doing just for the sake of peace. Or a false sense of peace. And it's it's one of those questions it's not easy to answer because there's so many issues you have to consider. So I don't think the, the Jedi never should have isolated themselves from everyone, but they also got too close for their own good. Where is that line? I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna push back at them
0: let Adam I don't think they got too close for their own good. I think they aligned themselves too much. I think the Jedi themselves fell for the polarization if the Jedi would have been just as close and attacked both the Senate and the Federation and a separatist called everyone out for where they were wrong instead of only calling out one side, I think it might've done more good. Maybe. I don't know. George Lucas was directing. Um, Adam, Adam, what are your thoughts on all this?
1: Um, They lost, they lost before they, they were done before the show, before the move from even began. I mean, I love the, um, um Darth Plagueis book uh that came out Mm. uh, some years ago it's really good it kind of shows you what was happening I mean the the Jedi the Jedi were done before any of this happened and if you've watched the Chronicles of the Jedi where you get to see Dooku's kind of fall um the 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 problem was the Jedis had become so comfortable with their situation they had become so comfortable with their responsibilities and their connection to the Force, that they were so easily able to be blinded by Sith to the point where they could not—they were standing in front of one of the most powerful Sith lords in their history, in their timeline, and they couldn't see him. They didn't even see him. It was um, so. It was one of those situations. Uh, they it was done before it even begun because by the time we fi- see, by the time we see Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Alberdean has already has everything in place. Everything is already ready to go. You know what I mean? Everything is already in order. And it, it had been decades in the making. It's like the only way it would have stopped is someone if someone just could was able to see through Sidious Disguise and no one was able to. Yeah. So uh, I don't think there's anything they could yeah. have done. Either. Yeah. Well
2: but there's also something too. Uh sorry Josh to interrupt you. There, in old canon, there was a comic that released. I want to say it was like Star Wars Republic or something like that. And you had two members of the Jedi say, oh, well, we know there's a Sith Lord in the Senate. Let's run chlorian tests on the people there. And Palpatine's like, because they came to him first thinking he's on their side going, oh, that's brilliant. But then he kind of does a Uriah on them and sends them on the front lines. That idea is quickly swept under the rug. No one cares about it anymore. Yeah. And I honestly- so they, there are people who tried. Sorry.
0: No, I was going to say that uh, that adds to the point I was going to make. So <laughs> Bravo, uh, I think when it comes down to it is uh, the Jedi needed an equally good politician. Um, when you look at the emperor, in my opinion, he he, they, he had a few cool fight scenes, right? You know, he he kind of did OK against Yoda. But I think the scariest thing about him wasn't, oh, he was a really good fighter. I think if the whole Jedi Council just had a straight fight with him, they would have won. The scariest part of Palpatine is he was a good politician, right? Like, think about what he did to convince so many people to do exactly what he wanted, what he did with the clones, what he did with the Jedi and convincing them to be part of the Republic, more or less, without getting a vote themselves. He was a good politician, which is scary. Like, politics can be a lot more threatening than lightning coming from your fingertips, you know? Like, actually, when you think about it, that might have been as scary as power. But he he does get defeated twice, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> after he's defeated the first time, after the original trilogy, uh, we have a few shows and different stuff now that went between the original trilogy and the sequels. I want to look at one of which being Ahsoka. Um, for those of us recording, we've seen two episodes. For those of you watching, have seen far more at this point because yeah, we're releasing this the day of the second Republican presidential debate. We recorded this shortly after the first one, so you know. <laughs> But one of the things that was interesting to so far, and you see it in a lot of these shows, is you have them trying to figure out how do we build up? And I, I really liked where you saw um, her name's Hera, right? Cindola, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you saw her like- as a general. She went in and uh, one of the facilities and you find out that a lot of the people who work there are actually the same people from the Empire. They don't care whose side it is. And it turns out they do. Hmm. But uh, it's interesting because you even saw that in that one-off episode of um, the Mandalorian, a lot of the, what's running the Republic are people from the empire because it was so massive and so consuming. They couldn't figure out how to run it without that. Um, I was going to throw this to Adam, but I'm not sure if he's here anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to Christian. Um, What's going on in the big void after the empire Emperor falls. How do we see these people, the new Republic trying to build, what does it look like for these people to
2: try to create their own
0: government now?
2: Probably well, we see the difficulties with that governments aren't created in the span of a day and they're, they're dealing with a, an empire that for all its flaws did have a sense of control over an entire galaxy that the Republic didn't obviously they did it through very underhanded and evil methods, but how do they representing better ideals do it? Well, one thing we had to learn through history is like when West and East Germany were separated, we had uh, on West Germany, the Allies were trying to create a government there, but there just weren't as many capable people around to represent the German people within their sphere of influence because a, they'd either been killed or they'd gone underground, or they were afraid of, you know, the Nazis rising up again or something like that, or the Soviets coming in and taking over their com- uh, their country. So one of the things that we were forced to do for better or worse, is there were still alive Nazis. And we allowed some of them in positions of power in West Germany and West Berlin and stuff like that. Because it was either that or sent untested people in there. And you can argue either way what was the right decision there. But the point is, we look at Germany now, after years, it's unified. And it's brought up for stuff like that. So they, the Republic needed capable people who knew what they were doing
0: because they'd been doing it for a while. Yeah, and that was... um that was part of the problem i'm I'm gonna do this a few different times. after world war one german was put in a terrible spot that's part of why hitler was able to rise and do everything he did that caused world war ii if if you look currently at a lot of our problems in america uh, it's just slowly grown even going back to the civil war where you see the south was put financially in not the best spot afterwards and they have always blamed the north and it's turned into instead of south and north problem it's become rural and you know country problem but it, it's still that same thing it's, the tension in america really if you look at it revolves a lot more around wealth and where's the money at than anything and, and i think that's usually the problem well there's some there's a ton of problems with war but usually that's the problem post-war is who has the money at the end because someone feels bitter someone feels gypped um one thing I find interesting, I, I kind of want to get Adam's opinion on uh, a lot of these characters in between the original and sequel trilogy where we're getting some of these shows and stuff come out. Look at uh, Mandal- the Mandalorian. Um, why do I, I just want to call him Jin? but I know he has a last name anyway. <laughs> you see that you see his character. Yeah, he was hurt by what happened on on Mandalore. He was saved by Mandalorians and that kind of is his defining thing is he was hurt by what happened with the war and now he's rebuilding himself. And he ends up rebuilding a whole family, if you're looking at it now throughout season three. Um, Ahsoka, her whole story is being hurt by the Jedi and their rules and basically having her version of Church hurt. right? And she goes through this whole deconstruction and now we have this show where she's trying to remember who she is, try to rebuild herself. And at the same time, we're seeing a Republic try to rebuild after all of this damage that happened from the Empire and we're left with how do you heal after this kind of trauma whether it's galactic whether it's church hurt whether it's you just deconstructed and you're you don't know who you are like an identity crisis can be a trauma i think personally um and you're just left with these questions of how do we rebuild um so adam what what is your answer how how do we rebuild how does the new republic come back from this
1: well i mean it's a different it's a different it's a different answer for real life and then for television so okay. for when it comes to the new Republic, um, you know, there was, there was really isn't anything doing, there really isn't anything that I would say that they aren't already doing, you know, the problem with any of these situations is, you know, human, pe- human evil people are going to do human evil things. You know, you have these people that, you know, we, we see it in the Mandalorian, how there's this burac- bur- bureaucracy, bur- bureaucracy, bureaucracy. Um, to just try to get some pilots to go deal with a really important issue all these approval stamps have to be approved just to get something done you know what I mean and we see that in our own Republic uh, our own society now <clears throat> so you know they maybe maybe the government of the Republic the new republic might be a little bit kinder might be a little bit on better footings but it's still falling into the same traps that the previous republic had and even the Empire You know what I mean? You you we because like I said, human human evil people are going to do human evil things. Now, when it comes to our own life, when it comes to the reality of having the situation where you are church hurt, where you do have this broken society. Well, first of all, I mean, we must always point back to God. You know, if you really want to rebuild your life, you know, I'm at the point in my life where the the, the the amount of people that have gone through trauma or gone through tra- tragedy and have rebuilt their life without God, in my opinion, is so much smaller than the people that have uh, done that, who have rebuilt their life with God. You know, yeah, there is the power of this human will that can overcome these things. And, you know, you see some people that look like they have all their lives together. But I just know what I've needed in my life and what so, I've seen so many need is. Um, When you're really trying to rebuild your life after tragedy, after loss, the best and most effective way is through Christ.
0: Yeah, I got to see. I agree. I do find it interesting, though, in my own life. I'm just thinking about who I hear complain the most and who seems to have it all together the most. Usually the people in churches are the ones that are complaining more. And the people I know who aren't really religious tend to be a little bit more at ease with the world. But that's just in my own life. I, I do know. There's a lot of this, especially when you look at like actual psychological studies and all of that kind of stuff. And when you look at like um, even just how AAs ran, right, how people are go who go through trauma centers, what do they tell you? They tell you you need some belief in a higher power, whether it's God or not. You know, they usually will say it doesn't have to be God because, you know, they can't they can't push a religion on you. But there's a reason they say you need something of a higher power because that's. We are created to rely on something like that. And I, and that's why I believe that that thing to be God, I think it's you know hardwired into us. And I think it's really telling. Um, I think my answer, I would also agree when you're not, I wouldn't make the distinction between television and real life. I would make the distinction more like um, governing bodies and personal people might look different, how you rebuild a government, how you rebuild a group of people might, might look different than how you yourself rebuild from hurt. One thing that I think that both should share in common, though, and that everybody since tends to forget, you shouldn't immediately react. You should immediately overcorrect. You need to give time for healing. Um, and, and what what do I mean by that? How many people I'm going to get super controversial because I need to be specific um, in your own life. Now, I'll, I'll do a specific example from personal lives and from. A government here thing in America. I kind to do too, too specific, but I, th- I think it's important to look at. Um, personally, how many people I know that experienced church hurt and then never went to church again because someone wronged them? I'm like, oh, listen, you you over not that you overreacted. Drama real. Drama is real. But I think what happened was you immediately responded and maybe corrected too much. Maybe you should go to a church with a single person leading everything and no one, no checks and balances. But maybe that doesn't look like not going to a church at all, right? That's my opinion. Uh, and when I look at, like, our government, the amount of people who, oh, they voted not to impeach Trump. And that either makes them a great person or an evil person, depending on what side you're on, right? And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I know lots of good people who've made really, really stupid decisions. And I know lots of terrible people who've done stuff that helped me a lot. <laughs> it's like, how could you just boil everything down to this? And that's what you're going to make your whole opinion off of? And, you know, I don't care what side you're on. I don't think you can look at our nation or other nations like Brazil that have gone through some of the stuff of, like, leaders who are doing similar things. You can't look at it and say there's not some kind of trauma that we're healing from. There definitely is. There's definitely this polarization that's happening in several countries throughout the world is causing a lot of hurt. And you do need to heal. And I think the best solution maybe isn't to point out who's the bad guys and immediately do something about it. Maybe it's time to give yourself some time to heal perhaps? Just my thought.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that totally. I mean, to go back to Star Wars, one of the new canon things that I really don't like that was done, I believe the novel was Aftermath. It's been a while since I've looked at it, is as part of that healing process, Mon Mothma, who becomes leader of this new republic, demilitarizes the new republic. And that's always been one of her things. She's never wanted to be the one in charge of a bunch of uh, ships and you know, people leading people to their deaths. And that's her starting too soon on the process, even though they ultimately they own most of the the galaxy now, but the Empire is still out there and eventually becomes the First Order who then takes advantage of the fact that they've demilitarized to an extent. Not that they've totally gotten rid of it, but they've gotten to the point of, I think, a, I can't remember the number exactly. It was like a huge number. And that comes to that point of we've been fighting a war for so long, like we need rest, we need healing. but. Is this the right way to go about it? I would say no, obviously with what happens in a sequel trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then look, yeah, I'm trying
0: so hard not to make this just about American politics. Look at like any system. What happens is people have this tendency to forget what you do now. When you're thinking about law, you guys know I'm studying. I want to get into law. When you're thinking about law, whatever you do to make your side win absolutely will be used against you. So, Pointing to an American example would be how many presidents we get in and immediately reverse everything. The last one did all that does is keep us from ever progressing because we just have one guy undoing what the last guy did is going to be replaced by someone who's going to undo what they did. Right. And how many of our laws that we're like, well, we want free speech for all of the things that we love as Christians. And then we're going to turn around and get really angry when somebody uses that free speech against us. It's not free speech, but for me and not for thee. you know what I mean? Like, like, I think the system is set up where whatever you do will come back to you. And when you do these over corrections, when you're, oh, I'm really upset of what's been going what's going on and how my community was treated. I'm going to make a law about it. A lot of times you don't think of the consequences down the road. And that's what happens here. You have so many things of, oh, we just, we got rid of the empire and everything they ever did was bad. You look at, you know, the episode of Mandalorian and you see, well, people who used to work for the empire, we're not going to let them do these this science anymore we're not gonna let them do this anymore and how that immediately turns back around and hurts their side and that's always going to be the case it's it's why star wars will never be settled that and the fact that they always want to make money they keep undoing what the last guy did so that they could be replaced and have that undid again
1: well we're seeing this in our society right now in real time you know we can we we look at the oppression that uh Certain communities have faced, you know, the very real oppression that certain communities have faced in our society. And now you see some of the you see factions of those groups now turning around and wanting to impose the same oppression on other people. And so, you know, the the you know, the war against the war against men, really, you know, just let's just shake the battle of the sexes, you know, we have equality for the most part, uh, um, between the two sexes. And yet, men have such higher suicide rate, and men have such a higher lonely weight. And all you know, men are unhappy in marriages, and they're unhappy being single. And, you know, you have this societal change, it's like, in the process of, of trying to make our society more, equal between men and women. Men have lost something along the way that they're now trying to find, you know, in some uh, trying to find through people on the Internet. Some people, you know, some of those people are definitely better than others. We're not going to name any names. We'll just let you fill in. But, you know, and so we're seeing that. So in the process of solving one real genuine, um, real genuine uh, mistake in our history, the way we treated women, we are now overcorrecting, and now we have this really uh, deep disillusion of men that's causing a huge mental health crisis in our society. Not, not, to dis, not, to, not to try to devalue what women are going through, but one solution is causing another problem. You know? And it's just the same thing when we go back to the republic and things like that. One, you know, As they solve one problem, they're just creating more and more in its wake.
0: Yeah, I think what's, what's interesting about the women thing in, in our culture, you do see where this is happening to men. And yet at the same time, you still see a lot of issues of women not getting paid as much, you know, women being going through certain things and not necessarily having equity. It, it, it's still like we still have a lot, a lot of work to do if we're going to have equality among the genders. And yet it seems like we're going about it the wrong way, because rather than lifting up one gender, it seems like a lot of times we're just taking the other down. Um, and one of, the, one of the things I really liked about the Barbie movie, <laughs> we're going to just go all, all over the place today. Um, I, I enjoyed how it started off in Barbie world where women had all the power, and you saw how damaging that was for Ken, And you saw how that damage caused him to create a world that was damaging for the Barbies. And in the end, one of the things I really liked was it wasn't, oh, Barbies have power, yay, everything's good again. It's, hey, maybe we actually do need to include the Kins. Maybe both are important. And that's one of those things I really liked, even though it didn't come up with a beautiful solution at the end. it still acknowledged that we can't just tear one side down and think that's going to fix it. Um, And this goes beyond genders. It goes through everything. And that's where uh, one thing I think Star Wars is really good at showing us that when you just tear one side down, it doesn't solve the problem. Even if that side is the emperor, the evil of all evils, just tearing that down isn't going to make everything better which is where well, I, and we have to
1: go. Ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and it was just like what we were talking the other day about Mutant Mayhem, you know, God loved the prostitutes as much as he loved the Pharisees. And we have to remember that Christ loved them both equally. And he wanted the same thing from both of them. And we, as Christians have to remember that, that no matter what side of the political, hour, and I, I'm guilty of this as much as anyone, you know, taking too strong of a stance on something and, too quickly vilifying someone else because they don't share my opinion i've done that numerous times i could write a list of all the people i need to apologize to for doing that but as i got older i realized you know it's important to take these stands but it's also important to take these stands in a loving christ-like way and that's that's almost as more important is doing it in a loving christ-like way
0: yeah um i second that and i know christian well enough to know he's he's gonna third that with a thumbs up there there we go um but it does. It leads really well into one thing I did like in the sequel trilogy. Um, I know everybody has their complaints. Everyone has their loves, but everyone liked The Last Jedi. I know that for a fact. No one had an issue with that particular movie. Um, I'm joking. I know both of my, uh, my fellow hosts here didn't love it. It's one of my favorite Star Wars movies, personally. But uh, one of the things that was int- that I loved in this movie, there was a lot. One of the things I did love. Um, I don't remember this character's name, but there's this this guy, uh, DJ DJ, who <laughs> that's such an easy <laughs> name to remember. <laughs> we have a host called DJ. How could I? Okay, anyway, uh, DJ. Yeah, he he does all kinds of stuff, but he pushes weapons and he sells them not only to the rebels or not the rebels now. What what are they? It's something in the first order. Is it the New Republic in the first order? What are they,
2: what is the good guys and bad Resistance. guys? The, the resistance the resistance in first and first order yeah yeah it's a lame name it's one of many resistance problems is but such
0: a lame yeah okay anyway the resistance and the yeah, first yeah. order they're
2: resisting,
1: uh, We're uh, resisting I mean, any challenge I mean, first, to our what, power. what does
2: that mean <laughs> what does anyway. first order mean <laughs> yeah continue
1: remnant was such a better name in the legend not, sorry to get on a sidetrack remnant was the name of the forces of the empire After in the Legend series, that's such a better name, yeah. That's better than
0: First Order. That's better than First Order. A lot of things would be better than Resistance, anyway. Um, yeah, he wasn't just selling the weapons to the Resistance, he was also selling it to the First Order, the good guys and the bad guys. Why? Because they want to make money, and the whole city he's from, they're making money from both sides. They could care less who's winning, good or bad. And part of why I love that is that's how the Emperor won. He didn't care if the Republic won or the Federation. He was going to win either way. (laughs) And I think in the end, evil wins when polarization wins. When we polarize, that's when the bad guys win. And I think what's cool about the the sequel trilogy to me is it wasn't blatant evil that won from polarization. It's the rich get richer, the poor stay poor. And because that's something that's true in real life. You know, as long as we let the politicians push whatever agenda they are and argue about it, and they never do anything about it, we just keep voting and hoping our side wins because eventually that's going to fix it, right? And that keeps the status quo. That's how the rich stay richer. That's where Christian gets to complain about super (laughs) PACs. Christian, you want to complain about super PACs?
2: Yes. There are three things I like about The Last Jedi. I like the Porgs. I like the Crystal Foxes. And I like DJ, but not for the reason Joshua likes him, because I think it is one of the most poorly handled parts of the film is that idea of, well, everyone's just profiteering off of this right now. We go to Canto Bite and it's this random casino planet no one's heard of before. And, you know, we see people representing the resistance there. We see people representing the la- uh, first order there. We're told, but we're not shown that well. And D.J. makes a good point if we were shown more of that dealing, if Rose and Finn had in the midst of trying to find someone to help them save their people. And, you know, time has always been weird in Star Wars, so I I can't fault the film for this. They spend all this time here on Cantabite, then make their way all the way back on a chase scene. It is what it is. And uh, the idea is solid. The execution in the film is flawed. And I would say that about a lot of things there. But I like him because he does represent that idea of I'm just going to make my way through the world. And if that means I have to pal up with the First Order, I have to pal up with the Resistance, and then I make some credits, like, I don't care. Whoever pays me, that's my side. And, th- and the end, the, like when Finn and Rose are about to be executed on uh, the whatever the Super Star Destroyer is for that film, if they called it something else, and Finn gives a like, generic hero line of... Like, uh, we'll get you or you'll pay for this or something like that. And DJ kind of looks at him and says, maybe. And then walks off. Yeah. One of the other things I liked about
0: DJ um, thematically, he is the anti Harrison Ford. He is the opposite of Han Solo. Han Solo was like, yeah, sure. Whoever pays me. That's what side I'm on, blah. But in his heart, in his core, Han Solo was good. And he comes in to save the day. And he, what's what's interesting He was the good guy, because like we said, the original trilogy, the good guys were those who were outside the system here. It's one system versus the other. And this guy who's outside the system is the bad guy. And he's very much the bad guy, right? Like like he just I'm going to sell you. I'm going to screw you guys over because it's going to make me money. And then I'm peace out because I got my money. That's all I cared about. And, And I think it's really interesting how much of a contrast he is to Han Solo's character. One movie after Han passes. Like it wild to me how they did that. Um, But as far as like polarization, once pitting one side versus the other, being how the rich stay richer and how people make money, all that kind of stuff. Um, Adam, did you have anything you wanted to add to that conversation before we get to one more thing before we wrap up? Uh,
1: No, you know, the the, this whole, you know, the the whole concept of the, the rich get rich and the poor get poor. I mean, even biblically, when you look at it from the biblical times, this is it's a story of human history it's a story of the human progression you know we were talking about earlier how we all were you know you made a comment about worshiping and how well, i won't go back there because i'm having a train of thought issue but um what we're seeing today in our history and our political fear we can go back all sorts of points throughout history and see that it's the exact same thing and we have to remember that you know that's what's so interesting about life and about even the film star wars is you keep going through these same cycles is because we're so desperate in need of a savior. So it's desperate need in something outside of our system a being almost that's not made up of time, space or matter, AKA God um, to step in and to solve these issues that we keep having. Cause we keep going through the same cycle. You see it with, the, we see it with the Israelites. We see it in our society. You see it in our country. I mean, and so that's, what's so interesting about us and, and, you know uh, about us as a creation is that we do we just keep getting these same patterns over and over again
0: yeah yeah couldn't have said it better myself in the final note here which i have to say i i, I want to say i'm not really a sequel trilogy apologist i i, I apologize for like I'll, I'll make excuses for the the force awakens right i'm like yeah, it wasn't that bad you guys are over but whatever and i I am a full on enthusiast for The Last Jedi. But then you come to the rise of Skywalker and I'm like, I don't know, man, that one, that's just like, that's the film that shall not be named. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I don't just mm-mm. no. Why would you do this um, for so many reasons? But but they still had one thing that was really interesting and also a little dumb, but I think it makes a good point for our conversation today, how in the end, they keep doing this whole thing, the resistance all throughout, and there's low numbers and no one will come to help them. And they're trying to treat like they're still the underdog of the whole trilogy. But at the very end, look who all responds to their call to help. Everyone ever. That <laughs> turns out that they really shouldn't have had any challenge at all. And I think that's what blows my mind. And and I don't know if this was just an oversight of the movie directors, whatever, or if it was just kind of this supposed to be this hope that there actually was more good in the universe after all, what what they were trying to do. But what this speaks to is if they were doing politics correctly, um, all of these people would have been here from the get go. They would have just snuffed out the first order and there wouldn't have been any of these (laughs) films. like, and that's where I, I find it interesting just to kind of think of like, How do we know who all is on our side? And, you know, that's where I think of like, is the U.N. important? Is it important to have like the United States? Because even though I'm not all for federal government, like I like to minimize federal as much as possible, go to the states. Is this where it's important to have federal government to have things like the United Nations? Because we want countries like Russia to know that if they attack Europe or England, they're going to get every spaceship ever appearing, (laughs) you know, would Kylo have thought twice about taking over the First Order if he knew this is what he was facing? Maybe, because it literally would have been impossible. (laughs) Um, What do you guys think? Was this just bad politicianing? uh, Do they need their own version of the UN in the Star Wars galaxy?
2: I think this scene suffers, like many things, from the fact that there were other minds making stuff instead of a unified, you know, group of a confederacy of people making decisions because you get to the last jedi and there's that sequence where they call out for help before they end up on crate and no one shows up well what's the difference here like well you you tell me palpatine is back and he's got these superstar destroyers that can destroy an entire planet because he's had these resources this whole time to do that you know magically and sure then The only thing I'll say for this is that, you know, if Billy D. Williams told me to do anything, yeah, sure, I'd listen. (laughs) That's it. It's like Lando says, "Okay, guys, it's time to act up. Yeah, sure. I'll listen to Lando. But it it falls short to me because this is like one of my favorite tropes in fiction is that that the big dang heroes moment of all seems lost. No one's going to be there. And then suddenly someone comes up to save you in the end. This should have been that moment. But it fails because who the heck are these people? (laughs) we're told they're the galaxy, you know, they're representatives from all across the galaxy, which once again, it's that show versus uh, tell we're told that, but like, we haven't seen these people in contact with the resistance. We haven't seen, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe in last Jedi, we had a scene where, you know, had representatives from different planets say, ah, we're just not feeling this. You guys (laughs) look like you're about to lose. Uh, That could have been something, but once again, like uh, Johnson didn't know what, Abrams was going to do in the ninth film. So, and that's not really his fault. Yeah. Also to your point, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, uh, Johnson did have a script for his own version of the night film. God, it was so much better, like infinitely better, man. And anyway. he got made into a graphic novel. I think I read part of it. What? Really? Okay. Oh, okay. I need to check that out.
2: Yeah. To, to, to your point, like would a UN kind of system work? Well, well, let's look at our UN. They've done peacekeeping in the world, but they're not like, and they shouldn't be, they're not a one world government kind of situation to where they make all the decisions affecting all nations. They're not, they're not a European union. They're not like what the representative of our government is for the 50 states that we have and the commonwealths and so on and so forth. Yeah. Frankly, I, I don't think that's possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we have the United Nations. I'm glad things like UNICEF exist who exist and that we're able to look after people elsewhere. But as far as making decisions for everyone, well, who's to say yeah. that you're right? Yeah. I'm I'm very anti-world
0: government, but I am. I am in favor of stuff like the UN, stuff that's like, hey, if you cross this line, we're all going to show up. <laughs> you know, like we might not be unified, but if you cross this line, we'll be unified against you specifically. <laughs> Like, I think that's a good warning out there for people. I like that. Um, But also to one thing that you brought up that I think is interesting. And this is like just current world government politics. So, hey, not America this time. You're welcome. Um, I I think that's why it's so important that we do support Ukraine and why it's so hard for some people to get behind it. Because right now what they're seeing is Kylo Ren. Right now what they're seeing is some guy we don't know is the bad guy. Right. But what happens is if they win, if Russia wins this. Then all of a sudden, they're teaming up with China. All of a sudden, you realize it's the emperor. And then everybody wants to be involved. And I'm like, what if we just didn't let it get that far? What if we started here and just drew the line clearly so we don't have to watch Rise of Skywalker? Because no one wants to watch that. (laughs) You have anything you want to add? I'm just getting silly now. I might need to stop.
1: Uh, It's it's such a delicate with something like ukraine it's such a delicate situation It goes back to this whole concept of polarization because um you know wherever you fall on the wherever you fall on the political landscape you know you still have the issue like what's happening in maui not in maui what's happening in hawaii you have this entire community destroyed and they're getting 700 dollars i was listening to this tragic interview of this lady she's like my pets are dead. My home is destroyed. I can't get my medicine. I can't get any of my resources. My entire life is destroyed. And and our government is sending them 700, $700. But yet billions of dollars is going to solve. You know what I mean? These two problems aren't mutually exclusive. You know, we, you know, and that's part of the issue. And that goes back to the whole concept of polarization. This topic of something like Ukraine is, it's, it's so nuanced. It's so detailed. And, you know, we don't, it's hard to even tell it. it, It's, it's hard to always know what the right decision is until after it's already passed, you know, and I, I wouldn't want to be the leaders trying to make these decisions on what to do about it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a really easy answer. Now on the subject of something like star Wars, you know um, I mean, they had the Republic, they had the Republic, they, they had the resources, you know they 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 didn't learn from history. They didn't say, "Well, we were demilitarized, and the emperor came to power, so let's demilitarize again." That would end well. Um, it worked so well the first time around. Um, so it's just kind of like it, it. It's it's an important criticism of us learning from our history and learning from our mistakes, isn't there It wasn't it. It wasn't Thomas Jefferson. That's, no, it was Winston Churchill that said. Those who do not learn from history, uh, learn, uh, those who are, don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. You know, and even I think C.S. Lewis made a comment that mm-hmm. history isn't always the same, but often, but often rhymes. Yeah, um, I, like that long. I might be getting my quotes wrong so people can comment, <laughs> but, and on the subject of the ships coming in to Christian's point, uh, Lord of the Rings did it so much better. I mean, true. The the Rohirrim showing up at the top of the hill, you know, it was such a payoff from the fort. that's such great storytelling. It's the exact same thing. It's such great storytelling. You know, they get the signal off, they they don't know if hope is coming. The city's about to be lost, and there it is. There's the Rohirrim at the top of the hill in the sunlight. So
0: good. Yeah. So good. Man. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with that one. And yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, there there's never a just this or that. And that's where politics are important. It's part of why we're talking about it, right? Um, even within your church, and I've made this example before, but it's I think it's so important. It's why we can't let polarization get in the way. All of us would say it is important that we help the poor in our city. Also, all of us would say it is important that we do missions all of us would say it is important we upkeep the church it is important that we you know even if you just keep it simple of like do we we feed the poor in our community or we going to build them houses well if you, the way a lot of times it's set up is we put all of our money to feed the poor that's a great thing but then the two people who were really trying to do this other mission for the church where they were going to build homes feel like they got gypped and now they're upset they're angry and that's where politics are important in your church and outside your church why because You have to find a way to delegate these things to to work it out, right? Um, You know, much much to our examples in Star Wars, if you just only put all the focus on Emperor or the Rebellion, like what happened in the original trilogy, you get a lot of people like Han Solo who might starve, (laughs) pretty much have to do illegal activities if they're going to make enough money to get by. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of terrible. But that's what happens when you make it – only a one or a 2D kind of situation. You make everything black and white instead of realizing maybe these people are caring about something important and I'm also caring about something important and how do we do both things well or what are we willing to sacrifice so that we could do something else well?
2: You know, anybody have anything else? Christian? No, um, I think we've covered a lot. A lot of, I mean, we went over 25,000 years of history in an hour and 30 minutes. So there's still plenty more. We well, could yeah. go, but I do think I've said all I need to say. So well, you would say it's uh, you would say that it uh, perhaps is time
0: for the wrap up? That, that what you would say? Indeed. Yes. I think we could do that. I think we could do a wrap up here. <laughs> so I um I did want to go ahead. We're gonna do as always, we do our recommendations. Um you know, I'm not sure what to mean. I'm gonna recommend reading more Blue Beetle comics. Because I've been reading a, a lot since I watched that movie. And because uh, I read some when I was in high school and I loved it. And I'm like, you know what? I might still love this. And I do. I do. I love Blue
2: Beetle comics. Check them out. They're worth it. Christian, you have any recommendations for everybody? Yeah, sure. Just uh, to stick it to the Star Wars theme for right now. If you want a good old fashioned game that sure. Some of the graphics aren't as good as they were when it released forever ago. It wasn't, It's not as modern as everything now. Go, to, go play some Star Wars Rogue Squadron. And you can enjoy, you know, guilt-free, a rebellion, fighting against an empire, and becoming a new republic, and just blasting the empire in ships, like, guilt-free. It's wonderful. Adam, you have any
0: recommendations for everybody?
1: You know, I'm at kind of at a really in-between time. Um, uh, I, I'm not really I, – I, other than – I haven't been into anything lately. I'm kind of between – stuff so I don't have any recommendations I need recommendations I want really good fantasy stories um, and really good I, I don't really know where to, to, to poke all of them at um, uh, I mean uh, on the subject of Star Wars I mean you can't go wrong with uh, The Old Republic 1 and 2 you, The Knights of the Republic 1 and 2 you can never go wrong with those games I mean there's just great wonderful nostalgia and then now with now that they've shown up on every platform including your phone uh, there's no reason not to have played them at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, have to agree. Um, also, the old Clone Wars video games, phenomenal Battlefront, got to check it out if you haven't. Um, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. Um, oh, there's so there's so many good Star Wars stories. If you haven't seen, I know you mentioned earlier the uh, the tales or the legends of the Jedi. That was a, a little mini series Disney Plus did. It added so much to the lore, and I found out that not a ton of people seen it. So. Watch it, guys! Watch it. Uh, do us a favor: rate it and review this show. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or preferably Podchaser. If you have the time, just takes a second to go over there, leave a rating and review. Um, go to our show notes down below. See the rest of our primary political series. Subscribe on YouTube. Go to our store for some fun merch. And remember, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.